Ah, uh, welcome to PT Pinecast. Before we kick things off, we wouldn't have a show if it weren't for people like MW Therapy. Sharif and his team providing you an all-in-one outpatient PT EMR at a value you deserve. Take a free demo now. I mean, do you love, L-O-V-E, love your EMR? They make switching over easy, so take a look at what they have to offer. They've thought about it from all angles. Visit them at mwtherapy.com. Our friends from Jackson Therapy Partners want to know, Where's your PT career going? They provide awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going. Their website is jacksontherapy.com. See what's available to you. Tour this great country doing what you love doing in some pretty cool places. And our friends at getsunmed.com. It's your CBD store. Understand fully the ABCs of CBD online or at one of their many locations. Find out where at getsunmed.com. Com. Today's episode, Megan Mitchell is going to come on the show and explain PT in the emergency department. We did one of these episodes before. We've actually had a few episodes about PT in the ED. It was so, it was so interesting to me because it wasn't a place I thought we ever would belong. But once you hear people like Megan talk about it, you're like, well, of course we would. But we go a little deeper with Megan. Not, not exactly do we belong there, which I'm pretty sure I, I think anyway. The answer is yes. She talks about making culture change. How did she actually go about going from, hey, I got a crazy idea to, hey, this thing is not only crazy, but we can't get rid of it. So it's about culture cha culture change and getting an idea instituted at a big organization, at a hospital that she works, right? Change is hard. And you might look at like this mountain that never moves, but stuff gets changed all the time. And how can you actually do that? So Megan digs in with us and talks about uh, PT in the ED and how to affect change. Now, don't forget, you can affect change online with your PT practice, but maybe standing out in a busy, busy digital space is hard for you. We've got a contest that you can enter right now if you hurry up. You can win one of 10 digital boost packs from our friends at Dot .physio, a domain name. That's like your website, whatever, whatever, whatever.com. You could actually be your name, whatever you are, like I'm ptpinecast.com. You could actually have the domain ptpinecast.physio. You could change it to a dot physio. That comes in the digital boost pack, as well as a free customizable website, a couple of customizable email addresses, and then time with some experts. Kobe Robinson is a copywriter who can help you clarify your message. And uh, Christine Walker works over at this thing that she created, which is PT Website Secrets. So standing out in a, in a, in a busy digital space, if that... If that gets to you and you want to know how to overcome that, enter that contest at ptpinecast.com, or you can register for that in the show notes of this episode. Let's talk to Megan Mitchell on today's episode. Thanks for coming to the show. All right, welcome to PT Pinecast. We like to say it is great physical therapy conversations on tap. I'm your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Find us on the socials, as the kids these days are calling it, uh, at PT Pinecast with the website, ptpinecast.com. Also, I have a new YouTube channel. My goal for 2022, before it becomes 2023, is to get a 1,000 subs. That's subscribers. Subs is what the cool kids are calling it these days. Anyhow, uh, here we are at my birthday month of November, and we're calling it Niche-vember, and we're doing an entire month of niches. We're going an inch wide, but a mile deep into all these nooks and crannies, trademark English, uh, Thomas's English muffins, nooks and crannies of the physical therapy profession. 
And we're doing this because, I don't know, I find them terribly interesting. You probably do too. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. And I love when people hear about other people's ways of connecting things and it plants a seed. It's like inception. And then a year, three years, five years, 10 years later, they did a thing. They took something. It's not the direct same thing. It's they just said, hey, I saw what you did there and I put my own spin on it and I created this. And that's the purpose of Niche Member. So bringing in our, our guest today, Megan Mitchell. Megan, welcome to the program. Hello. I am not too proud to bring in my own cheering, my own crowd noises to make this seem a little more amped up. Uh, Megan, thanks so much for coming on the show in Niche Vember. Thanks for having me. I apologize. Um, my, uh, my karaoke voice is on point. Do you like your karaoke voice? It sounds very good. But we're just going to roll with it because we're PTs and we figure it out. Exactly. First question is always the hardest, Megan. What are we drinking today? Coffee. Coffee. We're recording this in the morning, and I'm not against day drinking, but like sometimes, and, and I, I have an out. I've said this before. It's called pint cast. Pint is a unit of measurement. You can put whatever you want in it. So I've got a coffee as well. So cheers to Megan Mitchell as we do her niche member episode over a pint and a giant mug of coffee. So cheers. It may actually be a pint of coffee. Just have at it. Uh, first round brought to you by Owens Recovery Science, whether it's a pint of beer or a pint of coffee, Johnny doesn't care. Uh, single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. BFR, as the kids are calling it. OwensRecoveryScience.com, and they also have their own BFR-specific podcast where they go real deep. That's a niche. They go real deep. It is called the aptly named the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Uh, Megan, so in niche Vember, I'm starting these all off by just a super open-ended question. Um, what's your niche? How do you, how do you describe your niche to other PTs or to patients? You know, what little nook or cranny do you get into in our great profession? What do you got? So I, I think for me, the biggest thing is that I like the chaos of emergencies and yeah. disaster. And I think it hits every part of our environment and our world. And there's absolutely no reason that PT should not be involved in not only the planning, but the mitigation and the recovery and the response efforts. Wow. This is not a place that I'm going to assume most people listening or most people in our profession would ever think to be. I think people think rehab, they think re again or after, yep. after the chaos. But you're saying you want to be in the as close to in the preparation. So before and in the middle of it. Absolutely. I, I like this. Where's this going? So how how that's a, that's a what question. What is your niche about? How do, how do you do this? Or how do you get into the middle of the, or before the chaos? Explain that to us. So in within the United States, we really don't do that. And I think that's a big, big piece of where I'm at right now is I'm still trying to map out this whole process. Um, but if we look at our skills and our scope, is there a role for PT in the pre-hospital emergency response environment? And the answer is absolutely yes. And we can look to our partners in the sports section who've really been kind of heading up this charge. Yeah, so can you recognize an acute injury or illness in somebody? And do you know when it's appropriate to treat them, refer them, or um, do life-saving intervention on them? Absolutely. What do you call this? What do, do we, did, you, did you get a chance to like, not that we have to put a label on it, but you, know, I don't know, you sort of have to like label it. Like, what do you call it? Like, what do you call this? Like emergency PT? Emergency PT. I think that like somebody's called like wilderness, like wilderness, like, you know, like. So wilderness is a little bit different. 
Okay. Um, but I absolutely love that you brought that up because it's a little bit more of a niche in the niche the in a niche. It's like one of those Russian. It's like one of those Russian dolls. It's a thing in a thing. It's wherever you grew up. Really, I could I could go either direction on this one. So emergency PT. So all right. So how what does this look like? Who are you treating? Where? When? How? I think I said how twice. <laughs> so you can treat anybody. So um, my primary role in my daily operations is the emergency room where we tend to see a lot of um, ad adults, older adults, but you can certainly treat pediatrics and labor and delivery. ER is, is certainly a population we can treat, but it's taking the person and doing your evaluation on them, regardless of their um, the, the box around them, the walls around them. So where do you actually get to, uh, to, to, to get to do this? What is like the setting for you? And you know, you can say the name of it or not. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything like that, but I mean, so for me, I'm at Denver Health Medical Center, okay. and I've really kind of taken it through the the, um, the avenue of our hospital preparedness programming, which is part of our national security initiatives. So in the event that um, an incident happens or a natural disaster happens, the hospitals are required to plan for receiving 50 patients in 15 minutes. Wow. And how do you kind of organize and separate and triage who needs you first and who gets which kind of care. So really bringing the PT into the, the forefront to take on not only um, the, the sort of green walking wounded triage patients, but the medical monitoring of our yellow tag. Uh, talk me about, talk me about green. You used some colors there. I did. About, like, 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 walk me through there because again, this is a place you said we should be, but we're probably not a lot in the United States. So, walk us through what, like, how do you see things? Because I'm, 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 you're visualizing like more of being upstream. And there's a great yeah. book we just read in our right book, and center, our, our absolutely. Book, our book called Upstream. And it sounds like this is making decisions further upstream instead of waiting for people to come downstream and us pull them out of the river. Let's go upstream and figure out how to make sure they don't wind up in the river at all. So for, for these folks, in, in the triage system, um, it, it's been categorized by colors, and that's um, pretty consistent on the international scale. So it's an algorithm. That's the short story. It's really simple. It's an algorithm to decide who's dying, who can wait, and who is um, sort of injured, but not. it's not going to kill you. So the green tagged patients are those who are medically stable they may or may not have like an overt injury. They're walking around. They can process mentally. Um, so those folks, and by and large, will be the, the majority of the folks who arrive during a disaster or emergency are green tagged, sort of walking wounded. The yellow tagged folks are those who are medically stable, but for some reason can't walk. They have a broken leg. They have a spinal cord injury. Um, they can't process that. Okay. Um, or, or children. Children's a whole different issue for this. Um, and then the red tagged folks are, they are altered mental status, their vitals are starting to slip, and they are non-ambulatory. So they are on the verge of death. So if we organize those folks who are arriving to a hospital, who needs the most immediate care? It's the red tagged folks. Right. But the ones who get missed most often are the green tagged folks because they're able to walk around and they can wait till later. The problem with that, especially in, in the United States, is that not everyone has access to healthcare. 
So if we are now saying you have an injury, I recognize that, but you can wait, then we're skipping out on them and their uh, medical issues are getting exacerbated. We're shelving them. Yep. And we never take them off the shelf or they never, they never know. They might not, it could be for a host of reasons I'm imagining them not knowing where to go next, them not having access to go to that place, even if they knew what it was next. Right. And because they've arrived there, you're saying you're in front of me. I have an opportunity to get you there instead of just shelving you and saying, well, go home because you're fine. Right. I'm using air quotes there for the podcast <laughs> audience, which is not a great thing to do as a podcast. We'll come back when you're on the verge of death and we can actually take you. Too yeah. late, too yeah. expensive, not enough, you know, ounce of prevention versus pound of cure. Exactly. How'd you get into this? Because we've had episodes about this before. And I like the fact that the first time I heard about it, I was like, what? And now I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense, which is how innovation really happens. The trailblazers look at like loons and like that's ridiculous. <laughs> That'll never happen. And then 10 years later, it's like, well, obviously. Yeah. So for me, I was taking a course with the sports section on emergency response for the athlete. So it's really sideline sports coverage. Sure. Which we and have was- no question whatsoever about why a physical therapist should be there and be able to react a certain way to a certain person's injury. No question. No question. At all. At all. all right. Keep going. I was I was in that course the same weekend that Hurricane Harvey made landfall down in Texas. And so for me, it was all of this relevant content to working in the ER and working sideline sports coverage. And I was like, well, why why are we not there? Everything that we're talking about is absolutely applicable in this space. So why are we not? So then I went on my deep dive and turns out there's a whole lot of missing information. Uh, what was the missing information? Everything. Everything. Okay. It does cool. not exist in this country. In there terms like, of the setup, in terms of PTs not being there, but you recognize where you were and you recognize where someone might need you, but there was a gap in between of how come we're not there. Not so it. not only within the U.S. for like why are, why are PTs not in this environment, but globally, there's not a lot of research saying PTs belong in this space. Huh. So going up to the international level, we're now starting to see PTs included on foreign medical teams and emergency medical teams, but not in our type one teams where they're at the front line treating patients and triaging up front. They're really having to wait for the, the traditional rehabilitation post-hospital stay, which yeah. is absolutely needed, but we should be moving across the entire spectrum. So we should, and with, but without people saying that we should and then saying, I'm going to show up here and I'm going to be a little bit squeaky until you give me some oil. And then here's the funny part. I'm probably going to still be squeaky until you give me some oil. And I'm going to be very squeaky. It's going to be squeaky. Um, why might there be resistance? I mean, you're where you are now, but a couple of years ago you weren't and now you are. What was the resistance you faced or you heard of because you did a deep dive and you looked across the profession across the world? What were the reasons that we weren't where we are now? So I think there's a few reasons. Within the U.S., the feedback that I typically get is, I don't know how that would work or what it would look like. Which is okay, which is a good response because you say, hey, what if we could work on that together? Yeah. Why don't you let me help you figure that out? I'm certainly helping. Um, And then the other one I got, interestingly enough, from some of our, our disaster medical service providers is we don't need a PT to walk somebody in a disaster. 
and you're like, hey, that sounds like a, that a common misconception of what I might be able to provide. These are oppor- you saw opportunities. Yeah. I'm guessing you saw miscommuni- misconceptions and opportunities to correct the misconceptions. Hey, if there was anything that I could tell you that might cause you to change your mind, would you be opening to hear that? And if they said yes, you're like, great, because I'm going to change your mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity to change your mind. I'm not going to change your mind. You have to change your mind. That's how Inception exactly. works if you watch that movie. Um, that's great. How how long did that take you to do to get to where you were? I mean, I think it's cool that you. it was a real life um, situation that really mattered, a hurricane, and you're taking this course and you're like, whoa, look at these two things happening at the same time. If only, insert narrative here, we were there, that would be potentially great. Let me figure out how to do that. So unfortunately, I'm not fully there yet. I'm still working with our um, our ESF folks with the FEMA Region 8. And still trying to figure out whose table I'm, I should be sitting at and who is that decision maker um, to get PTs into that national level. At the systems level, I reached out to our emergency manager, said, this is what I want to do. This is my skill set. How can I do this? And they said, absolutely. Get in here. Let's have you take over this program. You spoke in someone. All right. So this is where I come in, right? So I get to work with um, other PTs and and, and uh, physiatrists in an innovation lab. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they are smarter than me in research and innovation than I will ever be. It's just fun to hang out with smart people and watch them do their thing. And the fun thing is I come in and Jimmy's super basic, not like the cool pop version of basic. I don't think I'm that basic. But all I do is I basic communication principles. You have two situations that you're trying to get P- PT inserted into. One is a FEMA national level. Yep. That's going to be harder. We probably just know that, right? Why? Yep. Bigger mountain to climb. That's cool. Still worth climbing. Smaller, but more impactful, more local for you um, at your own facility. You spoke in their terms. Here's what I would like to do without pausing, no comma. Here's how it can benefit this organization. And that is talking in someone else's terms that is leading with benefits for them and th- and this goes across why trying to get someone to listen to your podcast on social media don't tell them why it's good for you uh i need to get to a million downloads this year so if you could just go ahead and jump on there that says that's super selfish mm-hmm. but if i'm going to tell you if the promo for this podcast episode was three ways for you to get an emergency physical therapy department started in your facility you and that were interesting to you you'd go oh tell me more and that person figuratively and literally leans in and it sounds like that's what you've done micro at your facility now it's going most likely i think we can just assume it's going to take longer for a larger organization like fema to respond because you're asking it's a bigger ask right when they say yes to something they're going to put time effort and money behind it because it's a bigger mountain to climb yes good for you to take that on because a lot of people would just go hey you know what you should do this and then they would just go i'm done i put the suggestion forward you're doing the lifting so good on you because it's heavy (laughs) remind me of that because there are some frustrating days of course there are yeah that's when you know you're onto something right like i heard a quote it was like um when it's scary that's when it's time to that's that's when it's actually time to jump but when it's hard I mean, I guess, you know, doing bad ideas could be hard too, but you know, you have an internal like litmus test and, and compass and and, the, and those things and you're onto something and you're like, there's resistance, but I think if I get past this, 
it could be a thing. I'm doing that right now with a project um, for CSM. I'm trying to throw this big, crazy party that raises <laughs> a bunch of money for nonprofits. And people are like resisting. And I'm like, but they're resisting for the for their right reasons. They're saying no one's done this before. And I go, that's not a reason not to, but I understand that that's your comeback. Or this is a really big ask. And I go, it is. Doesn't mean it's bad ask, right? We haven't said that. And those are all, I feel like, similar conversations that you've had either internally or externally to get people to come along with you or help you because they're, they might be, like you said, find out who the person is to make decisions. I was taught early in radio when I became a boss in radio and I ran the station, it was like I tried to get everybody in the room to agree with me and then we'd run out of the room like a football team onto the field and we'd crush the enemy. And then I was taught that's not a great way to do it. But a radio DJ, their job is to get everybody excited. Mm-hmm. It's not a job as a manager. My job as a manager was figure out who to go to. I think my former promotions director, who was wise beyond her years, said, if you were going to invade a country, if you want to invade some country, just spoiler alert, I don't want to invade any countries. But if you wanted to invade a country, who would you go to? Would you go to the state governor? And I was like, well, no, I'd go to the president. Right. You got to figure out where the highest person you need to go to get that one. I want to get one yes that then gets everybody else in order rather than having to work up the chain. And I'm not saying you have to go to the absolute high, but you have to go to the highest that you can get a face-to-face because that will be give you the best chance of success. And it sounds like you've done that. Well, I'm working on that. So you're doing it. In, in uh, other countries, they have a minister of health, a person, one person runs a show. You go to that person. The system within the United States is so convoluted. I was going to say, what do we have? We have a surgeon general. That's not a parallel. That's no. Okay. So it's the entire HHS directory. Plus um, if we're getting into national disaster medical system, we have to include the DOD. Oh. And then if we get into disaster medicine, so like wildfire response, that's the department of interior. Oh. It is, it is a giant weave of, I can't life. figure it out. You ever watch always sunny in Philadelphia? Sometimes, yeah. One of my favorite gifts is of Charlie, and he's like standing in front of like a cork board with like a bunch of things and a bunch of strings and pins, and he's like explaining his. I don't even know. I don't even remember the episode. I don't even remember the context, but I send that gif a lot because a lot of times, I mean, what you're describing is does comes as no surprise and should come as no surprise, because a person like me would be like, just go to the highest person, Megan. Just go to the highest person. And you're like, here's the thing. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't even know who that would be, and getting to that person would be climbing a mountain. So it sounds like there's no shortage of challenges for Megan. Exactly. <laughs> but it's worth it, right? We've, I mean, we, you don't, I don't think it takes long to explain to someone why this would be worth it, especially not, I mean, our audience is a, that's, this is a layup. It's a bunch of PTs going, yeah, PTs put them everywhere, but you've got to then communicate that. Exactly. So how do you, how are you doing that? What's your, what's your just one step or two steps um, from now? What, what are you doing to do that? So I, I think what works better is for me at this point is not to, you know, shout from the rooftops. How can I help you? Right, right, right. Um, it's really, this is the problem you're running into. This is how a PT can help you solve that. Let me help you figure out how to solve this. And I think right now I'm using staffing as our current crisis problem. So if staffing is an issue across the board, how can you expand on the skills of your PT staff to utilize them? And how can we change this to make it better? You just highlighted um, a bad advertisement 
versus an infomercial, which people might bag on, but an infomercial is a really good explanation of don't you hate it when or this is am I this is you have if if you have this problem, oh, it's so frustrating touching on an emotion. Wouldn't it be great if oh, showing the future possible and yep. then insert solution it sounds like you are using the infomercial model, which I tell people all the time. Instead of shouting on a rooftop, I'm a physical therapist. And people are going, cool, I don't need you, bro, because PTs <laughs> aren't in the emergency department. And you're like, "That's gonna, you're going to have to do a lot of yelling instead of, yeah. hey, do you have this problem? And people are like, yes, I do. It's like, cool, I can help you solve it. Follow, Click this button. It sounds like you figured it out. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> it's that. Well, it's simple, it but not easy. Evolve. Yes, it's simple, but not easy. And those yeah. two. You know, and and I, I lay that out a lot and people, when I consult with people, they're like, those are the same thing. I'm like, no, um, I need you to hike the ball, take three steps and throw it to the wide receiver. Uh, that's simple to explain, but doing it is actually not easy, especially when you're doing it on a field versus a bunch of, of professionals. And you're fighting against a system which might not be designed properly for innovation or for people like you to show up and present a problem and a solution. So good on you for taking that on. Um, well We'll see if it goes anywhere. There. I mean, you're already laughing the rest of us. I haven't done anything to help your cause. <laughs> Except, hey, listen, showing up on a PT podcast, because and we talked about this before we hit record, you asked me a question. And I said, I don't want to answer it yet. So feel free to ask that question now that we're recording, because I think I have a good answer. So for you, have you met with anybody or heard anything that has reignited your passion for being a PT? Yes, all of them. And that's not a throwaway crappy answer. And I'll go way back to when this podcast was like 20 episodes deep. I was a PT student and I was, I started off the, the way a lot of podcasts do, which is like, let me get the most famous person or well-known person in my whatever niche. And I'll interview them. And it's a cheat code because that person has a following and has a name and I'm going to, I'm going to play off of their whatever. And I was sitting with a classmate and this classmate, again, I had a radio background. This this classmate did not. And he was like watching what I was doing. And his question was not the same as yours. It was different. And he said, what are you going to do when you're done interviewing all the PT famous people? What are you going to do then, hotshot? And it hit me that he just couldn't see what I saw, which is you can learn something from pretty much talking to most people if you're curious and passionate you know, asking the right questions, you know, there's no right or wrong, but asking some of really good questions or questions that will prompt thoughtful answers. Um, and you, and then you're quiet long enough to listen or let that person actually get that out. Nice. And that's when I, I almost wanted to say like, you know, he was 10 years younger than me too. So I was, I got to feel old and wise in that moment. And I was like, <laughs> oh, young Padawan, you can't see what I see, which is I could spend my entire career doing five interviews a week and I'd never be done. But yes, from his vantage point, I was cherry picking. I was talking to Sharon Dunn and I was talking to these people with big social media followings. And that actually helped, that little interaction actually helped me change course and go, oh, how am I picking who to talk to? Now, there is a barrier because I was a PT student. I didn't even know what I didn't know yet. Yeah. So then I led with, well, what are you curious about? I stopped thinking about the audience necessarily first. They were always on my mind, but I was like, the audience will have fun, hopefully, if I have fun and I'm curious, and when do I have fun and I'm curious? I'm like, well, I have fun and I'm curious about things that I am curious about. So I'm just going to create this stuff. And if you want to come along and you, you know, you can just listen to this stuff for free. How can I lose? I can't lose. I'm going to win every time because I get to talk to people that I'm, I'm curious 
and want to learn more from. And then if the audience wants that too, that's the right audience. I've found the right people. If you're here for whatever, a different thing than that, that's good. You're not going to get that here. And I think I try to communicate that. Like we're here to have fun and learn something. Period. Repeat. Let's see how many that how many of those things we can do. And I haven't missed yet. And we've done more than a thousand episodes, which is insane if you think about it. That's awesome. It is fun. So your question was, have you met anybody that I've been inspired? Yes. Uh, this whole niche member, it's like, that's cool that you're doing that. Like there's the the things that we're trying to do, some are more narrow than others or more wide than others. And we even had to have this discussion within the team internally. What is a niche? You know, that you know. Um, this feels like a lot of people are doing it. Is it still a niche? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like being a specific running PT is still a niche. It's not so crazy and it's it's sort of widespread, but is this does does the size make it a niche? I don't know. So we had to sort of like redefine. And it's sort of one of those things I was like, I'll know a niche when I see it because I'll be curious enough to want to find out more. Yeah, absolutely. So is that how we defined it? Yeah, I guess that's how we did it. What would you say to someone who is listening to this and wants to do either one of two things? Wants to follow along and go, yeah, I like what she where she's going. I'll help her do that specific thing. Or, hey, I've been listening to this whole niche member. I actually have an idea for a niche. I'm going to go in this crazy direction that no one's heard of. I feel like embarking on a challenge is still a challenge. Like climbing a mountain everybody's climbed is still climbing a mountain. And climbing a mountain that no one's climbed is still climbing a mountain. So what would you say to that person who's going to embark? So for me, I got to a point where I was feeling so much burnout that I absolutely hated the thought of doing ah. TheraBand, ah. hot packs, ultrasound, any of that kind of junk. Rage. I don't. I hate the thought that people are categorizing a, a hospital-based therapist as somebody who walks, sits, and uses yeah. the toilet. So for me, it was more about finding a purpose and a voice within my professional space. So I would say anybody who is looking for something a little bit more inspiring, just find that one thing that you think is like super cool shit. And just be like, how can I apply this to what I'm doing? And just know that the process sucks. Everything does. It really, really sucks. And you're probably gonna cry a few times and maybe get angry and shake your fist at the world. But when you go back to it, do you really want to just do TheraBand hot pack and an ultrasound? Or do you want to shake your fist at the world and rage against the machine? It? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the quote that comes to mind, and I love stealing other people's words because someone said it better, was um, I didn't come this far to only come this far. It sounds like yeah. you put a lot of time, effort, and money into being where you are. And then you looked around and said, not good enough. I'm going to go differently you know hey if this is good for you this is good for you yeah this isn't good for megan this isn't good for us i'm gonna go i'm gonna keep climbing and i didn't go to pt school to do theraband or walk someone to a toilet that's not why i applied and paid six figures in student loans so that i could walk someone to a toilet you know so for me it was about making it better for me and that's your definition of listen i'm gonna i know the process is not easy Got to enjoy the process, though, I imagine, right? Like, listen, this is going to be hard. I mean, I just watched a thing from Kobe Bryant. And I feel like I didn't appreciate Kobe Bryant enough when Kobe Bryant was alive. Because now I feel, like, I feel like a lot of people are, I kind of knew him. And he almost looked at, like, Kobe Bryant, almost like the, he was almost like the um, like the villain sometimes. Because he was so locked in. And you're like, dude, you're too much. And then you listen to why he was doing it. He's like, 
you're, it makes perfect sense, right? It makes perfect sense now in hindsight. It's almost like you got to, you know, it's like when does an artist really become, their work become valuable? It's like only after they're dead, you're like, God, that's a shame. And I feel like that's <laughs> happening to Kobe Bryant, but his art wasn't even basketball. It was like his mindset and words. Because mm -hmm. the thing I was listening to this morning and he was like, if you, uh, I make an agreement with myself the night before of what I'm doing tomorrow morning. And I never break that agreement when the alarm goes off and I don't want to get up. It's like, you made an agreement with yourself that I'm going to work out at four o'clock in the morning because six months, six years from now, greatness is my goal. And anything less than that is unsatisfactory. You can apply that to this process sucks, but he also, his, he also followed it. He's like, this process sucks, but you've, you signed on for this because you want greatness. He also said, listen, getting up at four in the morning and busting your ass and getting out of bed when you don't want to bust your ass and making phone calls and having meetings that you don't want to do because they're hard. He goes, that actually is the dream. He's like, holding the trophy isn't the dream. It's like one one millionth of it. He's like, it really is. If you don't like the process, I tell people all the time, um, they'll see like um, a finisher medal from a marathon or a triathlon that I did or anybody. And I'm like, if that's why you're doing it, that's going to fade real quick. Yep. Because that is, that's the victory lap. Um, but if you don't like training, I got some bad news for you. If you want to be an Ironman or if you want to be a marathon runner, or if you want to do anything, like anything that requires, it, it aims for greatness from within or outside. I got some bad news for you. If you hate, if you hate the work, you ain't going to, don't bother putting, trying to put that picture or that metal on the wall. It'll, exactly. you'll, hate, you'll hate everything. Can't change um, the world unless you break some stuff along the way. Got to start with you first, Getting too. Right? <laughs> got to start with you first. Exactly. What was that other quote? Uh, yesterday, I was foolish. I wanted to change. I try to change the world. And today, I'm wise. I'm trying to change myself. Oh, see, I haven't gotten that far. I still want to change the world. <laughs> but you change the world by changing yourself. Yeah. How do I? I still how, want to change the world, though. Yeah, but you're improving yourself. And that is changing yourself. You're, you, you, like you said it. And I've, I've known you for all of 20 minutes. You said, I did the dive. I did the deep vibe. I was taking a class and saw the hurricane. That's that's the work. Even though you didn't know you were on the path yet, you wouldn't have gotten on the, the, the path unless you knew that. I mean, that that's the work. You're like a very good spiritual guru right now. This is very helpful. <laughs> Ironically, I need to take all my own advice. I am very <laughs> good at finding quotes and bringing these things up. But like, ironically, like we the, the, the quotes that resonate with I've found me the most are the ones I need to hear yeah. the most. And believe me, I'm not sitting here going, I do all this stuff. I do all of them. I am. I need to hear it. It's almost like I need to hear it from myself again. Like when I'm editing this myself, before I put this thing out on the internet, I'm like, Oh yeah. You said that to Megan. You said that to the audience. Are you doing that Jimmy? And you're like, no, better get your ass to get, you better get your ass in gear then. See, I can say it to myself all I want, but I need to hear it from someone else. So I'm too close to it. I can't see the forest through the trees at this point. I need someone else to say, hey, I can see what you're doing. That's some, that's that's big. So yeah. I think that helps me. It does. We do. We, we need external validation. Oh, I shouldn't say we. I need. I know I look for it. You don't, And I did an episode on this about how this podcast started. I had an idea and then I pitched it to someone and they came back with a, you shouldn't do that. And I looked and then I pitched it again to someone else and they were like, oh my God, you absolutely should do that. But if I had listened to the first person, I wouldn't have done it. And I would have been, what a miss, right? How many relationships that I've built, right? But then I was like, well, why did she say that? Was she a bad person? I don't think she was a bad person. Did I think she was trying to sabotage me? In hindsight, I did not think she was trying to sabotage me. I think it came 
from her own internal fears, right? I mean, Adam Sandler had a great bit where he was like, he played like his own mother or mother-in-law. And her thing was like, she just kept saying, they're all going to laugh at you. And that come that is hard to wash off. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. I've watched my own parents do that when I've came to them and I said, I'm going to be a radio DJ in college. And they were like, the math on that is not in your favor of getting a full-time job, like just how math works. And then I did it. And like my parents were proud of me the whole time. I think they were just nervous. Like what if he falls? I mean, it was the same thing when I was probably learning to walk or ride a bike. It was like, what if she, what if, what if he falls? I don't, I want to make sure I want to protect him. And ironically, I think I needed, you need to fall. Yep. Absolutely. But I had there was no plan B. I was going to be a radio broadcaster. That there was no plan B. Like, and that sometimes I feel, you know, do you know the idea of burn the boats? No. The Vikings, when they would invade an Island, they would, row their burn boats so and, the, flee. and they would bring them on shore and they would all get around with their swords and their shields and they would go burn the boats and like imagine you're like the rookie viking and you're like but what if it goes poorly and they go there's no retreat and when you have that mindset of it's the only way is forward mm -hmm. different crazy stuff sort of starts to happen right yeah yeah. When, you burn, when you have that burn the boats mentality and without knowing it, that mentality or that, that, that story, that's what my mentality was going into radio. And then, you know, my parents, their baby boy turns to him and goes, Hey, this thing that I climbed this mountain that I wanted to do that I probably maybe like mathematically couldn't have gotten here. Shouldn't have gotten here. I'm going to jump to a different mountain. And they're like, Oh, why are you doing this now? You're so it's secure. You know, you get a paycheck. And I'm like, but I don't like it here anymore. I'm going to go this way. And I yeah. think the second time they were a little bit easier. It's also easier saying like, I'm going to be a physical therapist. And they were like, great. Those are like, that's the normal thing. A real job. <laughs> you telling, you know, fart jokes on a, you know, a microphone and giving away beer and concert tickets. That feels a little suspect. But <laughs> it feels a little safer. But then I came to him again with another curveball. I'm like, I'm going to do this thing where I talk to people about doing the thing. And then that's going to pay the bills. And they were like, now you're making shit up. Like the radio thing's a real thing. It's hard. You did it. Now you're doing this other thing, which is safe. Now you're doing the weird mashup, the remix. And I had and I had friends that were close to me. I don't know how this became a therapy session, by the way, Megan. I'm sorry. We love that. Keep going. I, I had friends who've who've known me almost my whole life, and I told them I'm going to go into sort of the science communication mode, but I didn't have a label for it. I think if there was a label for it, they would have felt better. I'm like, I'm going to sort of like do podcasts and social media and and YouTube videos, and I'm going to explain stuff. And there's a big enough group of people who would be willing to listen to this, and they were like. Oh, I think you should do the normal, do the normal thing for five years. And I was like, explain to me why five years is good. Cause I have the passion now. And I think, I don't think they doubted me. I think they were just like, I just don't want to see you fail. Like, I don't want to have to be the one there to pick up the pieces. And I was like, I'll be more heartbroken if I don't try. Yeah. And that's sort of why I'm doing niche member too, which is like, look at all the cool stuff people do. Why not you? Why not now? Why not like this? Give me a good reason. Why not? And because if you care enough, you could, you'll plow through those barriers. It'll suck at yep. points, but if you really care about it, you'll be like, all right, that sucked yesterday. I got put on my ass, but I'm standing up again and we're going to keep going. And you have to have, you have to have that. Exactly. This feels very, I feel like I owe you money. Like therapy. I, I would love it if you paid me. That would be more <laughs> student loan payments. Um, yeah. I think for me that, that kind of ripping off the bandaid and, would start to hybrid this space was going back to school. Yeah. So realizing how much I didn't know about the emergency management world and disaster management and just speaking the same language 
you have to dive in and start learning the lingo so that you can play on the same field. All right. What well, the last question I think I'm asking everybody on Niche Member is uh, what's the future of this niche look like or what's success look like for you? And you can define when that is. Is it a year, five, 10, 15 years from now? You pick the time frame and then define success because we're PTs. You have to have a goal and it's got to be, you know, you have to measure it. There's got to be a time frame. So for you, with this niche that you're in, you're creating, you're climbing, define success. To me, success is twofold. I want to change policy and procedure to include PT. And I want to be one of the frontline responders. And I think I've, I've, successfully um, changed our disaster, like our hospital disaster policy and procedure to redefine the role of physical therapy if we had 50 patients in 15 minutes. Um, You know, Colorado, thankfully, is one of those areas that has high resource, low probability disasters. If I really want to get into that frontline area, I may end up needing to um, travel with somebody or move to a more disaster prone area. Um, but for me, that is less of the goal than changing the system. And I would love to have a one-year timeline. That would be super fantastic. But I think before I retire, I think my measure of success is that PT will be embedded in our frontline first responder crew like it and we're releasing this episode in niche member in 2022 and the cool part is the internet has the greatest memory ever it's kind of scary if you think about it um <laughs> but we'll be able to look back and maybe a year or five years from now we're having this we're having a conversation and we get to say wow look how far we've come mm-hmm. all right you ready to do three questions we have a tradition on a show called three questions okay i'm ready let's do, let's do three questions <laughs> Uh, three questions brought to you by our friends from Physical Therapy and Balance Centers. If you want to open a PT practice, it can be kind of daunting. You want to, but you're like, I don't know how to get there. How about if they have a practice and you're thinking about selling, you should be exiting your practice. Never thought about that. That could be daunting. And you don't want to mess either of these up because a lot of time and effort and money goes into it. That's where Physical Therapy and Balance Centers comes in. Uh, you retain autonomy of the practice you're going to start or have. And you get experience of these people who've been doing something similar. And uh, you should know this. On average, a private practice that joins the physical network grows more than 40%. So to find out more, just find out, learn more. Uh, check out physicalfranchise.com. They spell it funny. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. Uh, so three questions. We try to mix these things up and make them sort of appropriate. Uh, who is someone the audience should find out more about if they're and we'll go with your specific niche. Who's someone like you look up to or you're like, hey, if I have a question, I ask this person. So internationally, I look to Pete Skelton. Okay. He works for the WHO at this point. Who? He is a part of the Ukraine Rehabilitation Disaster Response Crew. Um, he worked for a lot of years in, with humanity and inclusion. And he is he is the guy I found when I went international. Got it. Didn't fall for my who joke. I like that. What is something the audience should take a look at if they want to take a deeper dive? If there is there a resource, a PDF, a book, something you made, someone Pete made or someone else made, something that exists? So through the WHO, there is the minimal technical standards for rehabilitation in emergency response teams or in emergency medical teams. And that kind of is my reference guide for how I sort of structured and conceptualized everything. 
You keep saying World Health Organization, and I keep saying who. <laughs> and that's the joke. I had a girl in PT school. We did like problem-based learning. We were like in like a, a little tutorial room. And this little innocent girl was giving a citation. She was like, the World Health Organization says. And I said, who? And she said, the World Health. We did it back and forth. <laughs> who? Until she was like, oh, damn it. Anyway, that's that's my dad joke. Third question on three that no one thinks is funny. This is my third question on three questions. Why should people care about this niche? If you had, if someone pushed back and said, why, why, sh why should I care? What would you say? It's your world. If you want to be a part of it, like you can either sit on the sidelines or engage. Yeah. Stop right there. I got a little, I got a little, you know, hair on my arm standing up. I like that. Uh, that's three questions. Again, our friends at Physical Therapy and Balance Centers will help you either start a practice, exit your practice, grow your practice. Just learn more. Physicalfranchise.com. Last thing we do on the show, Megan, is called the parting shot. Parting shot brought to you by our, uh, from our friends at the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. A lot of content coming out at CSM, obviously. Uh, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, the largest component in the APTA. So if you're going there, make sure to look at the great orthopedic content that's coming out. Plus, they have some re resources you can use throughout your career. Something like uh, Current Concepts of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Now it's in its fifth edition. A perfect roadmap to take you from wherever you are in your PT career to maybe taking that OCS exam and doing it feeling confident and competent. They can get you there. Latest evidence, easy to digest. Go get it. Uh, orthopt.org. So, Megan, the, the parting shot is like just your chance for a mic drop moment, a soapbox statement, any other alliterations you can think of. Just whatever you'd want to leave with the audience as we wrap up. What do you got for them today? There is no part of our world that isn't impacted by disaster, whether that is man-made or natural disaster. If you're going to be in that space, learn about it, figure out how to get your voice heard and be a part of the process. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. There's no, there's no time for it. I love that. It's your world. Don't sit on the sidelines. What are you here for? Make a difference or just go along? Hot packs and therabands? No. no. Absolutely not. You know what? Maybe someone does and that's good. Get out of the way. Megan's coming through. You can have it. It's fine. Megan Mitchell, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for doing what you do. We appreciate you uh, sharing this on Niche Vember. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. This is the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced, post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet, ptpinecast.com, created by Build PT.
Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com. 